welcome to Everybody A, Everybody Gay. A queer exploration of Pretty Little Liars. With your hosts, Speak Pirate, a.k.a. Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host, LCO123, a.k.a. Vina, a proud member of the Church of Vanderjesus. Welcome to I'm a Good Girl, I Am. Is it weird to feel like an episode that contains a guilty verdict in Allison's murder trial, plus a flight of arrows attack, plus the other liars being arrested, is also a fair amount of filler? Like, maybe it's that we have a boyfriend-heavy plot for the first time in a while, but basically Leslie Stone is a star witness, Rebecca is a truly awful lawyer, and there's a girl sleeping in a pipe who I had completely wiped from my memory. <laughs> yes, this this episode could almost just be named Hats on Hats on Hats. Like <laughs> this is this is a this is a hat heavy episode of PLL, and I don't even think anybody is wearing a hat. Uh, it's just yes, I agree that there is a lot of filler. There is a lot of like just odd choices to throw in there right here at the end of the season that are not choices that are not going to be ultimately very consequential. The plot with the guys is one of the silliest plots. I think that this show has ever put together. Uh, it's also a weirdly very guest star heavy episode at a time that it feels like we could just be kind of focusing more on the core characters. So it's a, it's a, it's a mixed bag. For sure. I did not enjoy this week's episode as much as last week's, I have to say. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I felt like, um, yeah, I, I felt like this one was just kind of like, it, it moves fast because it wants to get us to like the last five minutes of the episode. Um, but it's it, it doesn't really all gel in the way that last week's did. Agreed. Agreed. Uh should we dive right into this very curious cold open? <laughs> we we open with a news broadcast, which is absolutely delightful because it features the same actor who played Purred Happily on Parks and Rec. Fun fact, his name is Jay Jackson, and he was an actual TV reporter in Los Angeles for 25 years. And now he constantly turns up as a news anchor or reporter on TV shows, like every show ever. When there's a cameo of a reporter, chances are so good that it's him. Uh, anyway, here on The Word with Purred, or Heard with Purred, he is interviewing none other than Sarah Shepard, author of the Pretty Little Liars books about Allison's trial. Uh, this is all wildly extra and meta, like you were saying, in a way yes. that PLL generally isn't. Like, it's very... Like, PLL can be very campy, but this is, like, a shift in tone, especially because the coverage of the trial is much more gossipy and much less, like, hard-hitting news story, like the kinds that we were always seeing when Allison was kidnapped. Um, so, I don't know, the upshot of this little interview between the two of them is there's a star witness, a come-into-town, a surprise star witness who will it be? Yeah, it's sort of like winky in a way that PLL isn't usually. Like, it's kind of like it's it's almost breaking the fourth wall in a sense. I mean, Sarah Shepard is referred to, you've been there from the beginning. Um, also, we learn that we're, the trial is entering its second month. So we're really zooming through time here. Oh, my gosh. I completely missed that. So, like, 
are we to <laughs> are we to assume that like the last episode, which was the beginning of Allison's trial, that was like one month, and then today is like month two? Is it like <laughs> after endless November? Now each episode is <laughs> one month long. Maybe, or just a lot of time passed between last week's episode and this week's episode. I do not know. My goodness. It's weird. It's also really weird how we, like, transition into court and suddenly we're, like, out of the news report uh, in a in a sort of, it's almost like a, like a white pan kind of way, whip pan kind of way. Um, Leslie Stone is here. She is this star witness that is, you know, rattling the defense team. As always, Rebecca is as incompetent as ever, seeming stunned by this development, as stunned as everybody else in this courtroom. Emily whispers that she knew Leslie was trouble, which, did she? They all seemed fairly okay with Leslie once she told them who she was last time. Um, It's interesting how suddenly for this whole episode, Leslie is framed as like a traitor when as far as they know, she's just operating with the information that she had, right? Right, right. Well, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on this being the second month of the <laughs> murder trial. Because if that is true, which, I mean, Pert Happily isn't going to be lying to me. But no. If he says it's the second month, it must be the second month of the trial. So, okay, we saw the opening statements in the last episode. And... I guess since the prosecution is calling Leslie Stone today, I mean, the prosecution is still going here. Right. And so the defense, the prosecution has been going on for like over a month. And the defense, we're going to see the entire defense in this episode. Maybe PLL thinks that they just like trade off every day. Like they just like take turns. Yeah. 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 No, I like the idea that Rebecca's only defense strategy is putting Allison on the stand. Oh my goodness. Demonstrate some great fruit. Yeah. Oh, so Leslie is on the stand. Uh, We learn that she and Mona talked on the phone a lot and grew quote unquote, very close last summer. Uh, Mona apparently sent Leslie a card two weeks before Thanksgiving uh, saying that she was having a hard time and had been threatened by Allison, told that if she opened her trap, she'd be eaten by worms, which isn't like the most clever insult, but who knows? Um, Leslie says that she had lost the card. She just found it recently. She tears up saying that she didn't take it seriously what Mona was going through. She didn't realize what Mona was dealing with until it, it was too late. Uh, She realized that something weird was going on when she got to Rosewood because the liars were on edge. Leslie mentions being attacked by Mike and um, that basically, you know, she felt like the liars were protecting Allison and that Hannah was pretty much stalking her. Uh, Meanwhile, the liars watch from from the gallery here and, oh, surprise, Andrew here to take uh, Aria's hand. There is a lot of like surprise, Andrew, in this episode. There truly is. And it's like, you, you just kind of see him like, you know, it's like he has a business card, like Andrew Campbell here to support the vulnerable. Like, yeah, exactly. What a creep. Need a shoulder to cry on. I've got two right here, baby. <laughs> oh, so upon hearing uh, Leslie's testimony about the liars all being 
bad seeds and Hannah stalking her, uh, Spencer, like, leaves the courtroom in the most, like, obtrusive way. Like, she's walking, she's doing, like, a weird, like, sort of, like, penguin walk out the courtroom door, like, as if she either, like, really has to pee or thinks this is going to make her be invisible. Um, I don't know. But it's, like, a fast walk. It's, like, similar to the walk yeah. of, like, escaping from... Uh, Tom Marin's wedding that isn't happening. Like, yes, yes. Speeding down another aisle here. Um, she's leaving the courtroom to call Caleb uh, to let him know that Leslie is tossing Hannah under another wheel of the bus. Uh, just as she finishes leaving the message, who should appear? But Officer Tobey carrying some files. Today, he's gaslighting us and Spencer into recasting him as a boyfriend who just hasn't heard from her for a while. Someone who cares about how the trial is going and how Spencer did at her Oxford interview. Also, when he hears it went badly, he thinks she should have called him, despite him not calling her after Hannah's arrest. Oh my goodness. Uh, Spencer is not into this and kind of drops hints about Melissa's very sweet roommate who helped her through things, maybe to make him jealous. Uh, they are interrupted by Emily, who races to get Spencer to tell her they need to get a hold of Hannah ASAP. There are barracudas with duller teeth <laughs> than Leslie Stone. That's like one of those lines that is, it's such a like screenwritery line where like nobody ever would actually say that in real life, especially in an urgent moment. But somebody <laughs> in the writer's room was like, that's got to go in the script, guys. It's just too good. Um, I like how in this scene, like both Spencer and Emily are very urgently like, we have to get a hold of Hannah. But it's just like because of vague, like Leslie's throwing her under the bus. Like everybody's been throwing Hannah under the bus. Like they're acting as though there's new information and there is none. Yeah, if, if this is like the second month of Allison's murder trial, Hannah's been in jail for like two months. So it's not really a surprise yeah. that people are saying bad things about her. Like they're saying she helped kill Mona. <laughs> right. Like they're acting like, oh, there's something we can do right now. Is there? Like, <laughs> um, so the next the next scene has a very funny line right at the start, which is who the hell is Leslie Stone? Allison doesn't even know her. Um, I like this little like five-way phone call setup where they're all five of the liars are talking to each other via two prison phones and two cell phones. Um, uh, we learned that I, maybe we knew this, but that Leslie actually lives with Mona's grandparents, which I think I had forgotten. Um, yeah, I, I don't totally understand why that is, but uh, Aria suggests that Leslie might be connected to A, but Hannah is very convinced that Leslie genuinely cared for Mona. Allison's really freaking out, and there's some back and forth about what can they do. You know, Spencer feels like they've gone through every single option to help, and Alice drops the bomb that somebody might have seen her at the park on Thanksgiving. But of course, Rebecca Badlawyer doesn't think it's worth tracking this person down, because Rebecca Badlawyer, she doesn't really like doing her job she just like rather maybe she's like related to the montgomery's in some way because she's just like uh that sounds like it might involve conflict i think we should just hold off on it she's like bartleby the legal representative like i prefer not to like i could present an alternate theory of the case but 
for not to like she yeah. doesn't want to do anything yeah. <laughs> I know she's such a bad lawyer and it's weird because the show isn't like I feel like they're not calling her a bad lawyer like they're not it's not like oh Allison's shitty lawyer like what a bummer it's just kind of like I don't know it's weird the way that they're framing this character I feel yes yes I agree but um so yeah so the deal is uh someone might have seen Allison uh the info is they may have been hiding or sleeping inside a pipe they they may have made some clattering sounds <laughs> and there is like a piece of fabric I think Allison calls it a jacket but I'm not sure it looks like a jacket but it's like a a dark print with a rose pattern on it and the liars are immediately like oh yes yes this we will track this down this is the clue i love how this flashback is in allison's memory but later when spencer and emily see the fabric they're like that's the fabric like they have gone into <laughs> allison's memory and seen it for themselves yeah it's like a pensive it's like a yeah. <laughs> as we move into the transphobic era of the show it's just gonna get like more and more like jk rowling's brain apparently i guess so i guess so um yeah there there's also like again you know we've talked about how like as they're as they're heading towards the the transphobic turn like all of this you know there's just so much like man woman squirrel like all this kind of dirty <laughs> talk and i'm like i don't feel like we need this show like i feel like we could we could hold off on that but apparently not um so back at home aria is just aria like when in doubt aria's going to google so Arya Googles Leslie Stone when she hears Mike and somewhat hilariously and quite urgently drags him into her room. Uh, she warns him that Leslie trashed him on the stand and he might be called to testify. Mike is all, bring it on. I want to tell the truth. But Arya tells him to keep what he knows to himself. Uh, he says that if he'd gone to the cops earlier, he might have had a chance to save Mona. But she says that ratting out A now could be really bad for him. And if he does get called to testify, he needs to have three answers. Yes, no, and I don't remember. It was at this point in the episode that I came to the question, what is the point of Leslie Stone? <laughs> I mean, that's an excellent question. And there isn't one. Like, I don't feel like she is enough of a character to really add much her being a star witness is framed as like, oh my God, like we don't have a chance if she testifies, but she doesn't know enough about anything to really matter that much. I guess they're connecting, like Mike was aggressive with her. So I guess they're connecting that here with like, oh, Leslie might think that Mike is bad news, but it just seems like she is not the like, you know, smoking gun that the show seems to want us to treat her as. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And also, it doesn't seem like Rebecca Bad Lawyer has any questions for her. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no cross-examination for sharp-toothed Leslie Stone, star witness. She just gets to, like, come in and say whatever. And Rebecca Bad Lawyer's like, yep, sounds right. Okay, follow-up question, and I'm putting you on the spot here, so it's fine if you don't have an answer. If they were going to do, because pretty much, you know, every show that has a, a long uh, trial on it, they have to have the, like, you know, end right towards the end, third act, like, surprise witness, right, who just comes out of the woodwork with the, the Velma Kelly in Chicago, if you will. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which character do you think would be a more compelling star surprise witness? Oh, I, oh, a hundred thousand percent. I have an answer for you, Vina. Okay. And that, that answer is Cece Drake. Uh, that answer is Cece Drake having made a deal with the Rosewood police that she won't be charged with killing Wilden if she comes in and testifies against Allison De Laurentiis. And uh, I feel like that would be amazing because it would be like, A, it, like without the A, like it would be such an awesome move. And it would yeah. be so surprising. And that is someone that the liars have had a relationship with and sometimes considered an ally. So I feel like Charlotte would be an excellent, excellent choice. And if not Charlotte, uh, I would say my next best choice would be Noel Kahn. Oh, oh man. The ultimate game of truth. Um, yeah. That, that would be really fun. That would be really fun. Melissa would be great too, just because I'd love to see Melissa on the stand. Melissa would be great. We've seen her like pretty recently in London. So I, I feel That's like true. she would be a little further down on my list. I think someone that we haven't seen in a while who has an established relationship with the liars would be really interesting. Jenna, I Jenna. think would be an amazing yes. choice. Um, so yeah, any, any of like just a character that we have like some established, you know, like some established relationship with um, as opposed to Leslie Stone, who the liars have met all of one time. <laughs> If Prezra got on the stand and they just started cross-examining him about his relationships with underage girls, that's oh. kind of interesting. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. Agreed. Yeah. I just feel like Leslie Stone, when you hear the phrase star witness, Leslie Stone is not the character that comes to mind for me. She's so. not a star. No. <laughs> she's barely a witness. <laughs> No, she's like a lower light witness. Yes. Exactly. But I, I, I really liked the way that like the, the old man prosecutor was like, you are in constant communication. And once she even mailed you a card. It's <laughs> like, is this like, is he saying this? Cause he like the show thinks that like young people don't use the, the postal service anymore. <laughs> She mailed you a card. But then, like, the contents of the card is really funny. Like, so, like, Mona was just, like, writing a card that was, like, Dear Leslie, happy birthday. Today, Allison threatened to feed me to the worms. I'm having a hard time. Kisses, Mona. Like, what a card. <laughs> you know, you never know what kind of card you're going to get from Mona, I guess. That's lesson. <laughs> Just to make things spicy, she signed it as A. (laughs) (laughs) Leslie is like, oh, don't worry about that. That's just like a role play thing that we used to do. It's not (laughs) the point. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, So in the prison laundry slash orange jumpsuit gap, Allison is handing out clean and folded uniforms to inmates This allows her to interact briefly with Hannah. Hannah slips her a piece of paper uh, with the Mona dead name anagrams on it. And she gives Hannah a note that says to come back at 8.05 tomorrow. Because like in prison, you have absolute freedom of movement and can definitely decide that you are going to be not in your cell, but instead back at the laundry 
at 8.05 the next day. Anyway, uh, this is all so weird. The liars were on the phone with both of them just a few scenes ago. Why couldn't they have told Allison the dead name phrases then? Great question. Great question. Um, Also, with this prison, I think they do have freedom of movement to just be anywhere they want at any point. It seems like they do. And also, if it's been, if this is the second month of the trial, why are they just giving Allison this information now? Time has no meaning on this show. No meaning at all. No, not at all. Uh, So Tanner, you know, Tanner, we haven't seen Tanner in a few weeks. And I feel like Tanner was like, you know what? I haven't been on the show in a couple of weeks. I'm hungry for some scenery. I'm going to start chewing. Because Tanner is here to just chew up all of the scenery, as always, uh, sending Toby on a coffee run. He is very upset to not be working on a case. He's a very grumpy boy because he went to school just like every other cop. And if he's being punished for the night of the gallery break-in, she says he made an arrest. So why would why would he be being punished? And there's there are a lot of officers that have been working double shifts and they're really just needing some fresh coffee. She thought it would be nice if he could go out and do that. And so she just sort of sends him off with a smile and then slams the door in his face. The show clearly wants us to feel bad for Toby. I do not. No, I find it hilarious. I feel like that that is like, that is like the best use of Toby ever. Yeah. Him like having like curtains, like shut in his face and doors slammed. It's great. I would really enjoy like a super cut of the officer Toby moments. Like when he gets sent for coffee, when he gets attacked by tennis balls, cause he's tripping at the, you know, in the arcade, like there, there are so many, uh, there are so many, but this is definitely one of them. Toby getting sent on the errand. Absolutely. Errand boy, Toby. So back at the Montgomery's, Arya is sitting in the house with her boots on, as you do, when Mike walks in with a box. We get some talk about Arya doing yearbook stuff because Ella thinks it will distract her from her friends being on trial for murder. Uh, Mike wants to tell the truth and help Hannah and Allison. Arya, I guess, is apparently willing to let both of them go to jail for years and years uh, instead of having Mike get involved at all. And oh goodness, this box from the porch has a Tupperware with a giant tongue inside. This is very, very gross. And the tongue that Mike like pulls out is extremely giant. I don't know what creature this tongue was supposed to be from, but it looks like it's like it's gross. It looks like very like viscous, like it's maybe made of gum. It's awful. Um, Aria takes this as a warning for Mike. Like Aria is the kind of girl who, if you send her a tongue in the mail, she immediately assumes she knows what it means. Uh, his tongue is next if he dares to talk. Ella walks in and everyone pretends to be fine and like no one was just dealing with Tupperware tongue. <laughs> I think it's like a cow tongue. Um, yeah. Like, I, what, what makes you think that? Like, do you have, like, have you seen a cow tongue before? No, I don't know why I think that. I just, <laughs> it seems like a, to- a type of tongue one might have access to, I guess. A cow tongue, maybe. I don't know. 
I could be totally wrong. It's disgusting, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't really know how long any tongues are to, to, like, compare it to, but it was gross. I did not like seeing the cow tongue or whatever type (laughs) of beast tongue. Um, I did not enjoy. No, I thought it was really gross. It's also, like, just a very, like, it's a... I hesitate to say, like, it's a more extreme A move than normal because A is always extreme. But there is something just really, really extreme about just a big old tongue with a knife in it. Um, what do you think that Arya and Mike do with this tongue? This is a great <laughs> one because the way that they just, like, put it back in the box as Ella walks in. And it's implied that it smells bad, too. Mike's like, what's that smell? So I like the idea that Ella just walks in. And is like, huh, my children are lying about a box of, first of all, Ella being like, Arya's two friends are in jail. They're, you know, her, her brother's girlfriend has been murdered. Like, this is all very complicated. I'm going to go to the Presra slash Waynefield school of, let's just pile more work on this stressed out teen. That's like what she needs is another project. I love that. But just. I feel like it is so, it is the Montgomery family in a nutshell, that there is a giant, gross, possibly smelly, possibly cow, definitely smelly tongue in their house. And Arya is just like, nope, we're just going to close this box up. Mom, it's fine. Mike's washing up for dinner. And Ella doesn't come over to her and be like, Arya, it smells like there's a rotting tongue in here. May I look in the box? Like, no, they they respect they respect their children's privacy. If their children are harboring weird tongues, then that's just part of their growth process. As Pam Fields would say, I don't know how they do things in Europe. <laughs> you know what? Pam Fields should be here. If Pam Fields was around, nobody would be getting any cow tongues in the mail. Tell you that. <laughs> yeah, my note at the end of this scene was just, Jesus Christ. Like, it's just, it's too much. Um, so later, like the way that Arya is going to cope with the situation is by putting on a hot pink shirt that says Trey, Trey, Trey on it and walking over to the brew to talk to Prezra about this situation. Um, I gotta say, I'm team Prezra with this one comment he makes where he's like, cause she's like, my mom could have opened up that box. And he's like, she should have been the one to open up that box. You should tell her. You should go to the police. And she's like, no, no, no. We'll get put in jail if we go to the police. Um, So Arya wants Prezra to hide Mike out at the cabin uh, and explain, you know, why this is all a bad idea to him man to man. The Montgomerys, unsurprisingly, are not opposed to getting their son out of town by sending them away with their daughter's ex-adult man, English teacher boyfriend. Uh, And then he says very condescendingly, don't read my silence as a no. He'll pick Mike up at four. Yeah, I read his silence as like, he can't see a way to work this directly to his benefit. um, But then he agrees anyway. Yeah, he's like, fine. I can't keep (laughs) looking at that Trey, Trey, Trey shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so uh, Emily and Spencer are at the playground. And also having a contest of unknown origin to see who can show more leg. Uh, It is an odd wardrobe choice for both of them. I don't know if it was like 100 degrees when they were filming this day, but like Spencer's skirt is so short and Emily's shorts are so short 
that it's like, and they're both like somewhat tall people who like in this scene look like they're about like 75% leg. Um, so that's happening. Yeah. Um, I, I said that they it looked like they were like costumed, like they should be in a lesbian short film together. Yes. Yes. yes yeah. I agree. Taking place in France. Um, yeah. Their legs investigate the pipe, but are found <laughs> immediately by a church group that has just popped up out of nowhere. Like Spencer and Emily and their legs have arrived at the deserted playground. No one's around. They go in the pipe and then in manner of like Brigadoon or Narnia, when they come out, there's like an entire church group all over the playground. They're everywhere. Um, But anyway, there is uh, a dude from the church group who is explaining to them helpfully that they clean this place up. uh, But the guy that they talk to, who actually has a church group business card, uh, (laughs) has never encountered anyone else here in the pipe in question. Yeah, it is really funny when he's like, are you guys playing hide and seek? And Emily's like, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I also love how he's like, oh, we've got like a great charity thing. You could come, you know, help us out at, you know, Easter. And like, it's so clear that Spencer and Emily are like, yeah, that's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was just like, I was just like dying over the fact that he had a business card. Like, my mom is in so many church groups. Like, I would say that my mom's church group membership is like probably 15 or more church groups. And I wow. definitely do not think that she has a business card for any of them. He's ready. He's just ready to go. Yeah. Apparently so. So Aria, still in her tray, tray, tray shirt, is now running yearbook over at school. It's so funny. There is this scene clearly with like an extra who was not paid to say any lines and hands over this piece of paper where she's like put, you know, her caption that's obviously way too long. And Aria, she's happy to offer editing suggestions, but this girl is not having it and angrily crosses out a bunch of the page. Then, surprise, Andrew. Uh, We learn that she never called him back and she fills him in on the mic sitch. Uh, He sort of grumbles about the fact that she asked Ezra for help. She says that they bonded with that he bonded with Mike after Mona's memorial, which I just remember Mike being like, I don't want to talk to you after Mona's memorial. Uh, Andrew says, I could bond with Mike, too. You don't need a teaching degree. And then makes a remark about got mom and pop on his side, referring to Prezra. Um, It's funny because Andrew is obviously being a massive tool. But it is true that Prezra did get mom and pop on his side. He's not wrong about that. Uh, he he bemoans that she doesn't trust him like Prezra. And then there's a like weird moment here where Ella is like, Aria, like you need to, you know, help the next student or whatever. And Arya's like looks at the dude and then like kisses Andrew right in front of this guy, obviously to placate him. But it's like such a weird moment of PDA. Um, and then Andrew just sort of like skulks around more. Yeah, so Aria helping with yearbook is basically taking one piece of paper from each person, looking at it to make sure it's less than 26 words, and then handing those papers to another person. So while I agree with you about like not stressing the teen out with more work, I really feel like this is about the minimum amount of work that could be considered working. Fair. This is not like Emily having to, you know, like co-direct the student play or whatever it was. (laughs) 
Oh, so Caleb is visiting Hannah in jail, and he is yammering about Leslie. Hannah does not want to talk about her, so Caleb switches to Mike. He thinks Mike should talk to the cops. Hannah disagrees. He's just a kid, and she doesn't want him to be a target of A either. Caleb doesn't want to leave Hannah. He doesn't want to give up on her defense, etc. And he basically is expecting her to do the emotional labor of comforting him and or arguing about Mike some more. Yeah, this is a tough scene because Hannah's like, I get so such limited time with you. You know, I don't want to just spend it fighting about this. I also really like the end of Caleb's line. Showing up now seems a little convenient, doesn't it? Plays over the end of the shot of Andrew, which is, you know, not exactly subtle, but a good little moment. Um It's also hilarious to me that everybody keeps talking about Mike as the kid in this episode when he's like a year younger than them, (laughs) but he's the kid. Mike is the kid and also was dating Mona and, but they're acting like he's like, you know, Arya's son or something. Also, go ahead. Well, I was going to say Arya treats him like her son because she is raising him as a single mother, but also- Um, I feel like it's it's just indi- indicative of like boys will be boys. Like the yeah. liars were dealing with a last year when they were that age, um, they were dealing with like a lot of stuff. And but but Mike is a guy, so it's like, you know, yeah, you can be like a thirty year old swimmer and you know fake being held at gunpoint in Brazil during the Olympics, and people are gonna say boys will be boys. So. Right, right. Yeah, that's totally, totally valid. Also, Caleb makes a comment here where he's like, what do you want me to do, Hannah? Come here and like explain what happened on South Park on South Park to you every week. And I'm like, oh, my God, having Caleb explain what happened in an episode of South Park like that truly sounds like hell. Like everything about that sentence sounds like hell. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It, it was such an odd, like, I was like, why, why is this the show that they've chosen? Um, but, yeah, this is just sad because this is just so clearly, like, Hannah not getting what she needs from Caleb here. Um, so Emily and Spencer walk into school and immediately see someone wearing one of the church church jackets. And, oh, what's that? It's the scarf or jacket of some sort from Allison's memory that they both instantly recognize on the bag of this girl. Spencer gasps, but Emily quickly offers to take the lead because she's less aggressive. These two teaming up is always a good time. Emily inquires about the youth group, but Spencer quickly jumps in to ask about Thanksgiving. Uh, The girl marches right up to Ella Montgomery, surprise Ella Montgomery, saying, you told her, you told her daughter what happened. And everybody looks sort of confused and chagrined. Yeah, I forgot all about the existence of this girl because, like, she's like the MacGuffin of this episode. Like, we're it's gonna we're all gonna pretend like she matters, and then she's never gonna be heard from again. This is like the I feel like this in an episode of Hats on Hats. This is like the hat at the very top. Like this just felt <laughs> like why is this why is this in here? Why is this why does this exist? Yeah, it is the hat on the very top, and that hat is wearing a jacket with the church logo conveniently emblazoned on the back and is carrying the very garment that they had in the pipe. And it happens to be poking out of their backpack so conveniently. 
And Emily and Spencer, despite not ever having seen said garment, recognize it instantly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Aria is digging through all of her books, trying to find a good yearbook quote. Ella comes in to talk to her. Now, do we think that Ella is going to talk to her about mm, her ex- boyfriend, adult male predator English teacher taking Mike away for the weekend, or that tongue that was in the Tupperware that is, like, still sitting in the living room downstairs. Is Ella going to talk about either of those things with her daughter? Nope. Ah, It's all good. She's coming in to talk about why Spencer and Emily cornered that poor girl, whose name we learn is Kendra. Non-conflict all Montgomery, you know who you should talk to about that? Spencer and Emily, the people who cornered that poor girl. Um, but here, Arya is uh, going to talk about this. And Arya is extremely insistent that Kendra might be able to help both of Arya's friends who are in jail. Uh, you know who else could help them, Arya? Mike! But since she will not let him help, despite his like avowed willingness to help, Arya feels like this Kendra person is expendable enough to be morally bound to help instead. Uh, This is like John Dashwood has done so little to help his sisters. He feels the best way for them to be of good fortune is for everyone else to do a great deal. Um, It's just like, if you are so concerned with helping Hannah and Allison, like you have the key, your brother is like, please let me go tell people what I know. And Arya's like, no, 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 but this Kendra girl? Oh, yeah, she needs to get on the witness stand tomorrow. Uh, Ella says that Kendra made a mistake. She went to a party and accidentally did some drugs and had to sleep it off in the playground. And uh, she then confided all of this to Ella because Ella is her favorite teacher. To which I say, Ella is someone's favorite teacher? That is shocking to me. Um, But... It takes all kinds. Life is a rich tapestry. Uh, But also, like, Kendra was so mad at Ella because she felt like Ella did not keep her secret. And so then what does Ella do? She goes and tells the whole secret to Arya. Yeah, what's wild about this is, like, I feel like Ella... Like, Ella so easily could have disclosed just the part that would have been relevant to Arya, which is simply Kendra was in the park that night without revealing any of the rest of this. Um, yes. It's, it's, a, it's wild that like, this is how it happens. And it's also like, this is why I'm like, this is a hat on a hat because it's like, suddenly we have this whole story of this girl who accidentally did speed at a party and is that, like, <laughs> read about her parents. And I'm like, how did we get from like Allison to here? Like, what? And, like, Ella's, like, making weird veiled comments about Prezra. Like, she says, you know, you'd be surprised what students confide to their favorite teachers. Or maybe you wouldn't. And I'm like, what? What? I know, like, if Ella's saying that she had an affair with Kendra, like, what does that mean? It's just, it's such a strange element of this. Like, it's like nobody, nobody was asking for this. Nobody needed this. And it doesn't come to anything. Uh, <laughs> no, it's like not only was this girl on speed 
and she knows about this playground because she cleans it up with her church group on the regular. And so, of course, when she needed to, like, sober up from her accidental speed taking, she went there and slept in a pipe from which she could hear Allison on the phone trying to find out where Cyrus was. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, it, it's like, a, it's again, it's like a game of telephone or it's like a bunch of just like random facts put together. It's wild. Um, wow. This next scene is really something. <laughs> so this scene starts with Prezra and one young Mike Montgomery making their way into the sex cabin with a weird amount of Aria talk, I feel like both of them, like, Prezra makes a remark about how Aria always falls asleep on the ride. Mike's like, how many times has Aria been here? But they flip on a light and, surprise, Caleb! Caleb, who clearly learned this move from Hannah, has been waiting here in the dark for Mike and Prezra. <laughs> My favorite part of this scene, which is a ridiculous scene. <laughs> Is you know Caleb and Prezra are both trying to be like hard dudes who are like in you know they think that they're in like Taken or something right <laughs> and Caleb's like hi Mike and Mike's like hey how's it going <laughs> it is the most hilarious line reading of this whole episode because he's just so casual about it and he almost says it like he has a little bit of a crush on Caleb like oh hey Caleb how's it going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my own theory is that we saw the episode where Noel Kahn was waiting in the dark at Spencer's lake house yeah. under the sheet on top of the furniture. So, like, Mike might have happy memories. <laughs> He's like, oh, this evening is taking a very interesting turn. <laughs> so, Caleb announces that Mike needs to come back with him and tell the truth. Prezra says nothing's going to happen except some frozen pizza. And if Caleb's lucky, he might get a slice. Caleb's like, no, let's go, Mike. And Mike wants to go back with Caleb. He says that, you know, telling the truth is the right thing to do. Prezra insists that he has a target on his back. Prezra, by the way, who, like, did not seem to really have a dog in this fight, is suddenly, like, very much on this, like, we must protect, my protect Mike at all costs thing. Um, so... This is like a, I, like this is, I know what I just took at this point in the scene is this is a very silly scene between two teenagers and an adult man. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is sent outside to go get the luggage. Uh, he's 16, Prezra yells, uh, which to, to my point, like, oh, Prezra fits. Now somebody being 16 years old is very relevant to you. That didn't seem to matter when your girlfriend was 16, didn't, didn't it? Also, Caleb is like 17 or 18. So let's hang on here. Uh, Caleb yells that Hannah is locked up in a cage and that when he was 16, uh, he was sleeping on the street. Life doesn't get easier by avoiding things. Uh, Caleb calls out Prezra's privilege. Prezra basically says that all Caleb cares about is Hannah. Um, there's a There's a line here where Caleb is like, says something about he has to come tell the truth or else I will. And I, I, it was a vague enough line where I was like, is Caleb threatening to out Prezra as a predator to somebody? Like it almost seemed like they were playing with that a little bit, but then the car starts up and they both run outside. Wow. This scene is just like, what's so funny to me about it is like, they are acting like it's like literally the actors. I feel like they're acting like it's like Shakespeare. Like they're just so 
amped in this scene and so like really just playing the drama of it and it's like it's so silly because it's just like this conflict that just kind of came out of nowhere yeah they're having like in their minds it's like the battle of the boyfriends like who is the manliest man in this cabin (laughs) uh yeah yeah it's not it's not going well for either of them they're acting like Mike has absolutely no agency. And I really don't understand uh, Prezra's whole, like, do you really care about Mike or just about Hannah? Like, Prezra, do you care about Mike? No, you're right. just doing this because Ari asked you to. Like, But of course, he will pretend to have the moral high ground in virtually any situation. So that should not come as a surprise. Unfortunately, while they were waving their dicks around, Mike is outside stealing a car. Yep. Oh, Mike. (laughs) Sweet baby Mike. Oh, so Spencer is pouring Emily tomato juice that might actually be sauce. Yum. Um, It might actually be like a smoothie made with that cow tongue that Aria brought over. Who knows? Absolutely disgusting. Um, Emily wants them to bring Toby in on this Kendra situation, uh, which leads Spencer Uh, to admit that uh, she and Toby are not in a good place and she's kissed two guys who were not Toby very recently. Um, She wants to be with someone who wants her and Emily is like so shocked. Spencer has to say it's not like she's the town pump. Uh, Emily might be about to make a move as she inquires whether it was closed mouth or open kissing. Uh, But just then Kendra herself knocks on the door she just heard from Mrs. Montgomery, and they need to talk. We need to talk. Um, yeah, it, it. I think it's so interesting how it's like Spencer is like, I've basically been in relationships with two other guys. And Emily's like, what? And Spencer's like, like, relax. It was just two kisses. And so it's again that like. It's just so interesting the way that Spencer is clearly framing all of this in her mind, you know? Well, I feel like, so virtually every time she and Toby have interacted, there's been shouting, there's been fighting, there's been tears since he became a police officer. And I feel like this is like when when Daniel Lavery says to people in, in Dear Prudence, like, think of a breakup as giving someone the gift of clarity. Like, mm. Spencer and Toby have not done that for each other. They've been in this weird Like, are they boyfriend and girlfriend? Are they not? Like, what does it mean that he hasn't called her in months? Like, what does it mean that, like, you know, he didn't contact her after Hannah was arrested? Like, in what way are they still a couple in any frightening sense of the word? But, like, why are we still supposed to feel like, oh, that's Spencer out there smooching other guys like a trollop? You know, it's it's just, it doesn't make sense. And, And you get the sense that, like, Spencer also feels like it's unfair and does not make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer seems as perplexed as anyone for sure. For sure. So over in the laundry, uh, Allison is waiting for Hannah. Then when she sees Hannah, she pours detergent all over the floor so that she and Hannah can talk in private. Uh, Hannah tries to hurriedly fill her in on the Kendra sitch, but Allison acts very fast and picks up an iron and burns her arm. Uh, announcing that if they go to the infirmary, they will both be able to uh, finally have time to talk. She tells Hannah to slam her hand in a dryer. Hannah can't do it. 
So Allison slams her hand instead, which isn't that just such an interesting metaphor for Allison De Laurentiis and specifically her relationship with Hannah Marin uh, and all the liars and A in general. You can't slam your hand in the dryer, so A's going to do it for you. Like, man alive. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so this does get them in the infirmary where Allison's lawyer is waiting for them. Uh, she is there to read them the riot act uh, about them. Uh, and like, she, what does she take? She, oh, she steals the dead name notes. Uh, Cause she sees yeah. like, uh, she sees it being passed from, uh, from one to the other. And she's generally just there to kind of yell at Allison about thinking that she can manipulate the system and also acting really annoyed that the non-jailed liars keep bothering her and trying to help. How dare they? How dare they indeed? I know she's so done with the liars. She's like, I just want to go home and take a nap and hopefully, you know, Veronica will be there and we can blow up some steam. <laughs> like that's that's all I'm holding on to. I do really love though, like the way that like the way that Allison passes Hannah the note, there's this very like tough prison prison girl energy that I really enjoyed. Like I feel like I feel like Sasha and Ashley are like really enjoying playing the prison parts of the show. I agree. Yeah. Um Caleb and Prezra pull up to the location of the car that Mike drove off with, finding an arrow through the windshield. Oh, goodness. Um, cut back to Spencer's house, where Kendra is giving her statement to Rebecca, who could not be any less interested in this alibi witness uh she like sends kendra away pretty quickly and is like go i'm sure you have algebra homework to do shoo shoo and then tells the others that no one is going to believe some girl who was on drugs earlier that day um which is so interesting like well no certainly no one's going to believe her if they never hear from this witness like oh my goodness um like, I'm not sure what her strategy is. Like, we haven't heard any other part of the defense. Uh, and from what we hear when she does have Allison take the stand, it's really, uh, it's really quite thin. So I don't know who she's working for, uh, but I don't really think it's Allison. Yeah, it's, it, she's so, she's so um, uninterested in this, but yeah, she seems to feel like, like what's going to, you know, get them through it all is putting Allison on the stand. Which is such an odd choice because we had so much back and forth earlier in the season about like, Allison wants to testify and her lawyer says that would be a terrible idea. Now, apparently it's her lawyer's only idea. You know, Rebecca is not, (laughs) Rebecca never claimed to be a good lawyer. (laughs) No, I I feel like in the pantheon of bad television lawyers, the, Rebecca Bad Lawyer is like really very near the top. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um. So I just started referring to Caleb and Prezra as the Wood Boys here. So <laughs> the Wood Boys find a scrap of fabric. Uh, they have kind of crawled through the woods to where they determine to be some kind of scout camp. Uh, arrows start flying toward them suddenly, and they, like, duck behind some kind of partition and start throwing rocks. <laughs> and and at this point, again, I was like, 
how did we get here? We're in the middle of Allison's <laughs> murder trial, and suddenly these boys are throwing rocks at somebody who's slinging arrows at them. What happened, show? It's a very valid question. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, so Tobey barges into Spencer's kitchen. He tosses his badge on the counter like the drama queen that he is. He's done a lot to get that, he says. He lists things he's done. He got his butt kicked during his two days that he spent at the academy. He fought with his dad. He got a buzz cut. But he is not going to choose between this badge and Spencer. No, if Tanner wants him to, she'll have to kick him off the force. They kiss passionately for 15 full seconds, which is five paley goodbye kisses for anyone who is counting it me. All of this, <laughs> all of this, I just want to remind everyone, this big romantic reunion and, and where Keegan is acting like he too is playing Shakespeare as he has this soliloquy with his badge. Um, this is all happening because he's mad he got sent on a coffee run. Yep. Good times. Yep. 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 Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. It is really, really something. Yeah, this is, and it's also like, it's, it's such a, none of, none of this speech fixes anything in their relationship. It doesn't fix any of his behavior. It's not him apologizing in any way for the way that he has like been acting with her, how absent he has been with her. Uh, it is, it is very bad. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I'm going to say that this is also the problem with not having clarity about their relationship, that he just gets to be Mr. Man and walk back through the door anytime he wants. Yes. And Spencer just has to welcome him with open arms because who is he? He's Officer Toby. Well, I mean, my God, the way that he asks if he can come in and then pushes his way in. Like, if that is not <laughs> Toby Kavanaugh in a nutshell... Yes. Yes. Also, uh, just a little live update. I have just been informed that uh, Cara Delevingne is wearing a Peg the, pa the Patriarchy outfit, an outfit that says Peg the Patriarchy to uh, the Met Gala right now. So wow! in, case, uh, in case anyone at home is following along, urgent <laughs> news from the news desk. Here at Everybody A, Everybody Gay, <laughs> we need to keep you informed. Um, uh, now, I just, I just want to, um, I want to inquire a little bit about that. I know that yes. you just got this bulletin, um, yes. but I want to know: Did someone text you to tell you that, or do you have like a news alert set <laughs> either for Cara Delevingne or for Peg the Patriarchy? <laughs> This was a this was information from uh from from an exterior source from somebody, okay. somebody texted and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, think that's, that's almost as good. Like someone yeah. saw that and immediately was like, Bina. Yeah, yeah, I, I know the right people. It's it's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yes, just in case anybody anybody needed to uh, needed to know that information. Here. Okay, in case they didn't have the peg the patriarchy alert set up. Exactly, exactly. Yes, indeed. Um, so in the woods, we see poor Mike Montgomery running. He's covered in, uh, it seems to be maybe blood, maybe dirt. It's a little hard to tell. He's very nervous. Uh, then he gets maced. And we have a slightly too long sequence of like, Mike maced vision of just like like this is where it's like okay this episode clearly needed some padding because it's literally like they just put like a filter over the camera and it's just like POV of Mike looking around and breathing hard before he's knocked out did you feel like this went on several beats too long because I sure did yes yes I definitely did and there's like (laughs) there's like um gratuitous shots that seem to be like a flapping around like a bat like a swiftly moving like multi like legged creature um so yeah that was that was super strange yeah yeah i i i agree what they should have done here which i think would have been really good and which would have made this so much better is if mike thought he saw mona Oh, yeah. And maybe, like, she morphed into Allison or something? Like, yeah, like, if he thought he saw Mona and that was what he was running to instead of running away from A, I think that would be good. Or if he's, like, his vision is all blurry and he thinks he sees Mona, like, tied up. Like, I I just think a vision of Mona here would have been really perfect, especially since she is going to be back once we get to the dollhouse. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so Aria is very helpfully pacing in her room, leaving a worried voicemail for Prezra. Uh, she hesitates, then calls Andrew to ask him to drive up to a cabin he's never been to before to check on Prezra and Mike. Yeah, so can Aria just not go there because she's a woman? Like, is it, <laughs> is it, is it just that simple? I don't know. I don't know why Arya can't go. I don't know why Arya and Ella can't go. I don't know. I don't why know. I don't know Arya what's happening. Spencer can't go. Like Arya no Arya's been to the cabin more than any character on the series other than Prestra. Mm-hmm. Like Arya actually makes sense as the person to go as Mike's it's bizarre. It is really bizarre. True. I guess like it's 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 boys weekend up at the cabin no girls allowed apparently (laughs) so Prezra and Caleb finally find Mike tied to a tetherball pole with tape over his mouth (laughs) Vina was right Vina was right he is tied to a thing with arrows (laughs) with arrows (laughs) vindication uh (laughs) Caleb, Caleb has to get a few like kinky shots before they untie him. I know, gentle listener, I know the reason why Caleb is getting the shots is for proof, which is something they should have thought of long ago, honestly. But something about this young man being tied up to a tetherball pole with tape over his mouth and Caleb taking pictures of him, like, it's not not homoerotic, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, also, my question is, 
is Mike Montgomery actually tied to the tetherball post or did they just like wrap the tetherball <laughs> all around him? Because that is kind of what it seems like may have happened. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Like A, A was basically using him as the tetherball pole, which also has some implications. It does. It does. Um, and and like, I know that Mike is like out of it because he just got maced and everything, but he's like a bodybuilder. He's like constantly like building his muscles big and strong. I just sort of feel like he could have given it more of a go to untether himself. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's he's dealing with being maced. He he's he's Mike's had a rough night. Okay, there His was the two whole dads are fighting. Yes, yes. Like one or both of them maybe want to sleep with him. It's getting very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so in court, Rebecca Bad Lawyer is presenting what I believe amounts to her whole entire case <laughs> it all hinges on a grapefruit mona was tossed around with significant force and allison cannot even throw this large grapefruit i guess very far at all because when she was a kid she broke her right arm and it never healed properly seriously for this she put allison on the stand like all of the things like there's this whole thing about how Allison wasn't really kidnapped. Could you have Allison talk about that and try to get the jury to see her in a more sympathetic way? Could you, if you're putting Allison on the stand, at least ask her, did she kill Mona Vanderwall? So that her eyes can like well up and she can look at the jury and she can tell them, no, she didn't do it. Like all these are things that might be helpful about Allison taking the stand. But no, you just want to have her toss a grapefruit. And all of the liars look at each other like, whew, we're saved. The grapefruit defense is going to save us all. I love, too, how, like, the prosecution is not here for it. And the judge is like, I don't like fruit being thrown in my court, <laughs> counselor. <laughs> oh, boy. This, you know... I, I have a feeling that everybody in this courtroom, this is a case they're going to remember. <laughs> so it really is. I I would have liked for Allison to have like, kind of like taken the grapefruit and like tossed it like, like it's Zena's chakram and it like knocks out all the bailiffs and all the police and the judge. And then Allison like gets up and flees the courtroom and like gets away into the night. I feel like that would have been a much better use of the grapefruit. That, that would have been great. I would have liked that a lot. I would have liked that a lot. Um, so Caleb, Prezra and Mike have made their way to the Rosewood police station, all a little worse for wear. Uh, trying to fill a very doubtful tanner in on what they've been through this evening. Prezra very much has, I would like to speak to the manager energy, while Caleb is losing it and starting to yell. Uh, he says that there's somebody after us. And Tanner is like, just to be clear, instead of helping untie your friend, you stop to take a photo. What kind of kinky shit are you into? Um, also, Tanner... Do you think that Tanner genuinely thinks that the liars are all murderers and that all of this is just sort of subterfuge? 
Um, no, no, I, I don't think she thinks that. I think she just hates them. Um, and like, <laughs> like later Fair. there's going to be, I, I don't remember if it's in her next scene with Toby or her, her first scene. No, it must be the next one when, um, she basically says like, they decided to help the wrong person or whatever, which basically is like her admitting that the, the whole like prosecution of the liars is basically like vindictive um so but the thing that kills me about this is that despite the fact that like Caleb and Prezra have been around enough times to see how the liars are constantly being treated by the police and yet here they are completely outraged like they are men they are men and Tanner is treating them just like she does their girlfriends it's so unacceptable yeah that is uh, that is really a good point they're they're the dudes. How can the dudes be treated this way? Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh, <laughs> back in court. So <laughs> the prosecutor is cross-examining Allison re the grapefruit injury. Uh, and how did she manage to win an archery award at sleepaway camp without full use of her right arm? Um, I really wish that this was not an archery award at sleepaway camp. I really wish that they had like a bunch of women who Allison had slept with to come in and like testify about her sexual technique. But you can't can't have everything, even though they did do a sleepaway camp reference. um, There was no this one time at archery camp. There was just that she won this thing. uh, That elbow sure didn't seem broken in our bunk, Allison. But since this was, like, literally the only thing her lawyer had to offer, being discredited about it is really bad. Um, And it's, like, this whole, like, moment, like, oh, no, she's guilty of sleepaway camp award winning. She's definitely going down for murder. Uh, And the liars get a text from A saying, bullseye, bitches. Yes, yes. Um... So back at the police station, more Mona evidence is being loaded up uh, when Toby wants to talk to Tanner about Spencer. But Tanner says it is too late. Toby needs to go home. They chose to help the wrong person. Yeah, so it's like she's basically admitting that it's just like the police are essentially just being malicious in trying to, like, go after the liars. Like, She's not saying, like, the liars have broken too many laws. We can't let them run rampant. She's just saying, like, they helped the wrong person and I'm furious. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, and and Toby just, like, looks there at the evidence room as they close the blinds. And, like, there is a moment when Toby seems to realize how thoroughly he has failed everyone. Like, he's (laughs) not good at being a police. He's completely failed at protecting Spencer. But, like, what is he going to do about this? Nothing. Is he going to warn Spencer? No, he is not. No, he's just he's just hanging out, watching the blinds get closed. Mm. Huh, so Allison is sitting in the hallway of the courthouse, and Rebecca Bad Lawyer is aghast that in one hour the prosecution found this award from when Allie was 11 years old. Uh, she's just like, I can't believe it. Like, they did work? What? 
Um, I mean, of course, A sent them the award, but like, she's just like, she clearly feels like her defense was just so foolproof. How on earth did they thwart it so quickly? Um, man, she is terrible. Uh, but Allison admits that the archery contest was rigged. She and her bunkmate ran a hustle on the archery contest. They cheated uh, too late to admit it now. So essentially, Allison is going to get years in prison for cheating in color wars because this fucking town. I do. I mean, yes, this fucking town. But I do kind of love this little moment like that Allison's, you know, like it's it's just so it's just so Allison. It's just such an Allison moment that she cheated to you know get this award and now it's like this award is what's coming back to bite her and the way that she says like it's too late to tell the truth now huh like Sasha is so good in this scene um yeah it's just it's it's devastating but it's kind of like it it feels like it's so just so Allison here yeah yeah I mean I think that the whole thing about putting Allison on the stand I think the best thing the lawyer could have done is to have Allison admit that she has been a liar, like, like, just like own it. Just be like, yes, yeah. I've lied about a lot of different things in my life, but I am not lying to you now. Like make yeah. Allison sell that. I think Allison can, you know, like I, I feel like it was a mistake to not try and make that play. Rebecca, bad lawyer has made her fair share of mistakes. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't start expecting good from her now. Uh, Aria is in that one stairwell by the court courtroom uh, and gets a text from Prezra basically saying that Mike is okay when suddenly, surprise Andrew. Uh, she says that she's kind of a mess. Uh, she asks where he was last night. He claims to have been busy with his yearbook page, which he hands over <laughs> while they wait. <laughs> oh, the yearbook. Uh, he's letting Aria in on the editing. And, oh, how inc- how impressive, Aria says. He was an award-winning Pathfinder scout. Uh, never know when those skills will come in handy, says Andrew. Um, the, <laughs> like, I'm wondering here if Prezra just did not tell Aria the details of what happened with Mike. Because, like, if he didn't, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Prezra, but also it's like, Aria, like, put two and two together here. Like, I know, I know that you can never see any dude that you're with as anything but, like, Prince Charming. But, like, this dude's acting super weird and possessive and then suddenly around all the time. You, Your brother was just attacked with arrows at a Pathfinder camp. Like, weird. But also, um, I feel like there continues to be this weird thread of, like, gayness between Andrew and Mike because there was that there was that episode where he like followed Mike in the woods at Arya's request he's like constantly asking about Mike you know because he wants to get closer to Arya but like he's asking a lot and then he like maybe tied Mike up to a pole and like slapped some tape on his mouth like (laughs) Andrew (laughs) what what's your deal friend like who are you really after here I mean, that is a question that is worth asking. Also, Aria previously uh, verbalized that your yearbook thing has to be less than 26 words. So, like, it took Andrew all night to try and figure (laughs) out his 26 words for the yearbook. This is, I mean, in the realm of bad excuses, 
that is a really bad one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a bad one. That is a bad one. <laughs> oh, so now it's montage time. Uh, Hannah waiting around in jail, the liars waiting in the courtroom, Allie waiting, the jury waiting, the verdict is about to be read. Allison is guilty of murder in the first degree. She starts weeping. The liars are shocked, appalled, and even more so when they see Tanner and her goon squad have arrived. The gavel bangs down, and we see that Spencer, Aria, and Emily have all been arrested, fingerprinted, and are having their mugshots taken. I like how indignant they all look. <laughs> like they're, they all just have this kind of like, I, like what are we doing here? Kind of sneer about them. I I actually really like uh, the direction from the moment when Emily is getting her mugshot taken, and she's kind of like turned to the side a little bit, and like someone like you don't even see who it is, but they very roughly shove her back up against the wall. Uh, yeah. and it's just like it's just like such a metaphor for like the way that the town and that the police treat the liars all the time. For sure. For sure. Uh, so we go to the A tag, which is pretty, uh, there's a lot happening in this A tag because A has made a little model of a prison van with all of the liars inside and bring that little van to a drawbridge where there is another little liar up in in the like in this little castle area kind of rapunzel-esque and one of the liars is removed from the van and uh put inside the little castle grounds but a a has been busy because then a reaches over to a corsage that a picks up and prepares to put on to a tuxedo yes lots happening in the world of the black gloved hand Yes, indeed. And that's the end of the episode, because next week we're going to the dollhouse. My goodness. My goodness. My goodness. I can't believe we're here. Um, yeah. What What are your final thoughts on I'm a good girl, I am? What a wild ride. Like, first of all, it's shocking to me that the trial is actually only two episodes of this season, because, again, yeah. like, like, I just would have guessed that it was, like, 10 episodes at least. Um, so it's it's shocking to me that it was only two episodes. Um, I'm shocked by how bad Allison's lawyer was. I mean, I remembered that it was not a robust defense. But, man, it was, like, it was an anemic defense. It was, it was oh, really man. bad. Rebecca, uh, bad lawyer. Putting the bad in bad lawyer. Yeah. Whew. Um, but yeah, it's like the thing that, the thing that in retrospect just kills me about this trial is that we spend so much time and energy on Allison's in jail. Allison's going to be on trial. Allison's guilty of murder. Now all the liars are arrested. Everybody's going to go to jail. There is never any resolution. Remember when we were talking about how does Allison get out of jail? And, like, neither of us could yes. remember because it's, like, oh, it's it's just magically fixed. Like, once Tanner sees Mona, like, like poof, everything is okay. Like, the condition, the the conviction is, like, automatically vacated. Like, you know, yeah. no, no paperwork at all. No, like, nothing. So 
it's annoying that like we spend all this time on it and then ultimately it just doesn't matter. And like they thought that Allison killed Mona and probably killed Bethany Young, which was a crime that Spencer had previously been arrested for. But like once once this is all over, like nobody cares anymore about who killed Bethany Young. Like that's just that's just dropped in the way that who killed Jessica is dropped. Like yeah. we're moving into like we're moving into the part of season six where we're just like barreling towards the final reveal and like all of the unsolved mysteries are just like rolled up in a big ball and tossed in the corner. Yeah, it's it's so true. I don't even remember if we hear Bethany Young's name spoken anymore for the rest of the series. I would not be surprised Ooh. if we don't. Ooh, what a good, um, we'll have to be on the lookout for it. We will. We will maybe in the big like, hologram screen oh yeah 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 oh we will we will because we'll we'll have like that weird um that weird like how old is everyone situation (laughs) on the on the the crime mind matic visionator right toby is like 14 but also three meanwhile charlotte is like 12 yeah right sure whatever (laughs) Um, and it's like Bethany was mean, so none of it matters. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter how she died. Um, yes, yeah, it, it it's, I feel like we are increasingly entering the era where it's like, oh, this is a cool idea that we want to try. And so it's just, however we get to that cool idea, the p- plot particulars like don't really matter. And that's a little bit how I feel about the dollhouse now that we're kind of covered the ramp up to it is it's like oh the dollhouse this interesting idea like doesn't really matter how we get there we just we're there now you know um so yes I'm very curious what it'll feel like to cover next week's episode now that we know what comes after and have been refreshed on what comes before uh it'll be an interesting time it will man the dollhouse was like I mean I I feel like it was just one of the darkest and best things that PLL ever did. Like it really, it really made it seem like you were watching the show that I always wanted the show to be like the show that was about the male gaze and the show that was about the patriarchy and the show that was about like how you grow up as like a young woman in the world with like, you know, like the stalker men of the world literally lurking outside your window. Like, um, But yeah, it it turns out that the show did not have the same conception of the dollhouse that I did. You have not watched this show Search Party, right? No, I have not. They, um, so they basically do a version of the dollhouse in one of the seasons where, in the most recent season, where the, where, slight spoiler alerts for Search Party, but I'll speak in vague terms, a character basically ends up in her version of the dollhouse. And it it's funny because that show is it's it's technically a comedy, but I feel like the way that they execute it and the way that they deal with the like mental ramifications of it is so much what I wish PLL had done. Like it's like the way to execute that kind of storyline. Um, I I highly recommend this show Search Party. I think it's such a such a great show. And um, yeah, I I think the the idea of the dollhouse is a fascinating one. And I wish that PLL had like stuck to their guns a little bit more on it. 
Yeah, I can't wait to get into it next week. Me neither. Um, are we done talking about I'm a good girl, I am? I I am. Are you? I am. I'm fine to never talk about this episode again. <laughs> if you would like to talk about this episode, however, you can, of course, send us an email at everybodyapodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our Instagram at everybodyapodcast or send in a rating and review on iTunes. We would appreciate it. We will be back next week with Welcome to the Dollhouse. So everybody get ready for a dollhousey deep dive. Until then. Till then, take care and peg the patriarchy. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you.